Hello, hello, hello. I'm Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. How is everyone today? It is Wednesday, day two of OTAs. Again, I was down at the Steelers facility the majority of the day. Good stuff as always. Beautiful day. Uh, one more tomorrow. And two news items before I get to today's topic, uh, today's show. The Hunter Henry injury. I mean... If you guys have not watched OTAs, but there's not a lot going on. Like, to get hurt there is rough. You know, like, if it's a preseason game and you're playing real football and someone gets hurt, you just know that's part of it. And, of course, anyone get hurt in any practice or whatever either. But to get hurt there is unfortunate. It just really is, and I feel for the player. Um, the good news is, for the team at least, and for him, it's better to get hurt early in the process than late. You know what I mean? Like, if it was week three of the preseason game and you blow out your knee, well, then the team doesn't have much time to scramble and find contingency plans or switch the offense around or change roles of receiving players or tight ends. And they do a Virgil Green, and they could go get it Antonio Gates, bring him back, and at least have, you know, some semblance of tight end play. You know I mean? Gates isn't what he used to be, obviously. But he's still very crafty, and I think he'd be useful in the middle of the field here and there on third downs, near the goal line still. Uh, he knows the tricks of the trade. But as for Henry, you know, I really thought he was a big-time breakout candidate and finally didn't have Gates looming over him, that he would be a full-time player. I thought he'd be a top-five type, type tight end on what I think is the best team in the AFC West, and... A somewhat cursed team, too. I mean, boy, every time you get excited about the Chargers, something bad happens to them. But again, at least they now have a lot of time to prepare before week one of contingency plans. And he wasn't, you know, the man in that offense. You know, so Keenan Allen. And Mike Williams returns. So it, not only is Rivers, you know, really, really playing well, but if there isn't any major blows to the receiving core, I think they'll be okay, and it's something they can overcome. But it's really unfortunate. There's no doubt about that. The other news is Michael Kendricks was released from the Super Bowl champion Eagles. And here's my take on what went down there was, I don't think he really did anything uh, wrong. I think he's a very good player. Um, I bet there's six, seven, eight, nine, ten teams out there. I, I kind of just did a count on my hand and my fingers the other day. Just and I came up with like nine teams that should be calling his agent right now. Um, I think he's a good player, two-way player, good versus run and pass. Uh, not exceptional in either way, but quite good. I mean, he's a high-quality starting player. But it looked like Kendricks and Hicks were going to be the every-down linebackers there. Hicks gets injured, and then Bradham steps up. They win the Super Bowl. Kendricks and Bradham play a lot of snaps well on a very good defense. Bradham then becomes a free agent, and I didn't think they'd bring him back. Sign him to pretty good money. And therefore, you got Hicks coming back. You got almost one linebacker too many. And it never understood. There were so many people that do what I do for a living that considered linebacker a major need for the Eagles going into the draft. And I'm like, I, I don't see that. I mean, I thought they had three quality guys, and Kendricks was expensive, so they're going to use that money on their draft picks and all that. All that. But then Paul Warlow gets hurt yesterday in OTAs. Not that he's a great player, but, you know, you lose two linebackers that have played a lot of football in this league the last few years on the same day. 
Um, again, they do have Hicks. They have you know Bradham. I think they're good at the position, but can't afford any more losses. I don't think Kendricks will be a free agent long. So, one of my favorite followers on Twitter, who often contributes on Twitter Thursday, he goes by the handle of GoPats79, and tomorrow is Twitter Thursday, so get me some questions in. Uh, There will not be a podcast Friday. I'm actually going on a family vacation, so there probably won't be a podcast until Tuesday. Uh, It is a holiday weekend. Maybe I'll do something Monday night. But I'm not going to be in town. I need, I'm need. i going to be on a family vacation over the weekend. Uh, going to Atlanta, actually. So if any of you guys have any great things that I have to do with the fam in Atlanta. It's supposed to rain a lot. Like, my kids are excited to swim. You know, like, it's, it's going to be hot there for Pittsburgh people. Um, and we're going to go to the aquarium. I hear the aquarium's awesome. But I'm sure some there's some, fa- or some Atlanta folks out there could give us some tips of what to do. A little more wholesome activities. You know, they've got the fam. Um, anyway, I probably will not... I definitely won't do one Friday, and I probably won't do one Monday either. But I will Tuesday, and we'll get back in the swing of things, and I'm sure there'll be a lot to discuss at that point. But anyways, my man GoPats79 suggested today, he's like, hey, give us your top 10 running backs of all time. All right, so I will. And I I spent about a half hour a little bit ago just kind of going through all the names and looked at the all-time rushing leaders. I wanted to make sure I didn't forget anybody, and... This is important. I was born in 1973. So, 6-6-73. Actually, so pretty soon I'll be turning 45 in, what, two weeks on June 6th. Um, So, I've been doing this now a pretty long time. I mean, I've been working in football for a living 18 years or so. And in the media where I've watched these guys for almost, for like 13 or 14. But, obviously... You know, I, uh, when I was eight, you know, I was not a, a wonderful scout or, you know, the, the backs that played before I was even born or before I was watching football. You kind of have to go on reputation and the highlights. But, you know, it, it's, I think this position's easier than others to judge that way, you know, off of highlights and reputation and all those things. And something I often say about Le'Veon Bell when asked around here is, Great running backs are like great musicians. You know, that I can listen to 10... I know nothing about music. I know every one of you is better at music than me in terms of, like, being able to produce or recognize. I know what I like. I mean, I, I, I can we can listen to Zeppelin all day long. But I can hear Eric Clapton play for five seconds ago. that's Eric Clapton. I can hear Hendrix play for five seconds and say that's Jimi Hendrix. And I always say that if you put all the best running backs ever in those ugly-ass Penn State white uniforms with no names or numbers on their back, I would go, oh, that's Adrian Peterson. Oh, that's Le'Veon Bell. You know, like, they all, that's Barry Sanders. And I'm not saying Le'Veon Bell's an all-time great, but he, the all-time greats have their own style, and Bell is like that. Um, Again, but guys like Bell and Elliott and Gurley, they're not even being considered for this all-time greatest list. I mean, maybe someday they will be. Uh, there's some very good crop of young backs in the league right now. But career accomplishments certainly had something to do with me putting together this list. But I just wanted to mention that about backs. You know, that the great ones really stand out and do it differently than everyone else. 
I'm sure that's true for wonderful painters. If you know anything about painting, you'll be like, oh, that's a Picasso. I don't know crap about painting. But I can tell, you know, the great guitar players, like I said. Um, so I also did not criticize... The older you are, the less I criticize you for being not a contributor in the passing game. You know what I mean? Like, Jerome Bettis was great for his time, but if he was around now, you'd say... Boy, he's not that great because he's he's off off the field in third and sub package football. You know what I mean? Like, but for his era, great. And would Jim Brown been a great receiver? I bet. You know, I mean, if Barry Sanders was used more as a receiver, would he have been really good at it? Probably. Dorsett, Gale Sayers, those type of guys. So, but if you're a Marshall Falk or a Ladanian Tomlinson, who is ahead of his time as a receiver. I really use that in your favor, though, too, because you were ahead of the curve. You know, you were before your time. Um, you know, when Gail Sayers played, running backs didn't catch the ball. You know, I mean, and certainly not in the 70s, certainly not in the 80s, not really even the 90s. I mean, Roger Craig was kind of one of the first ones I remember really being a part of the passing game and really being a, you know, a factor, and Walsh got those guys involved. And he wasn't the first, but it was okay. the one I really remember as... Man, Roger Craig's catching a lot of passes. So, without any further ado, I got a dozen names in front of me. Um, I was going to get the top 10, but I got a dozen. I got Tony Dorsett at 12. And from what I'm told, and here's some Pitt and Homer bias, he was even a better college running back than he was in the pros. But he was a great one, and I think his game would have been Fine for nowadays, too. I'm sure he'd have been, he turned into a quite a quality receiver. Big play guy. Ran tough. Very, very talented. I'm not going to give you scouting reports on these guys. I mean, you know who they are. This one's interesting to me. Is If you would have told me yesterday, would Adrian Peterson be in your top 10 running backs of all time? I would say yes. But I have him 11th. And I just couldn't quite put him over the people ahead of him. I did ding him a little bit for lack of receiving. You know, just because he has played in this era and his contemporaries, less so when he was in his prime than now, were major contributors in the passing game, and he wasn't. But some of you younger guys, I mean, he's he's the, the youngest dude on this list. But do you remember Peterson when he was at his best? I mean... There's not much in the way of better runners out there. And I still feel like maybe I'm way too low at him at 11. I mean, he was like a, a wild stallion with those big strides, strong, high knees, violent, run away from people. Remember how good he was at his best? I mean, it's hard for me to imagine, and I'm the one that made the list, that there was 10 better people that you handed the ball to in the history of this game than Adrian Peterson. So maybe I'm too low on him. Quick Adrian Peterson note. When I was the recruiting assistant at Pitt, you know, I told you guys all I did was watch high school tape. And the one guy I thought could maybe skip college like a LeBron James and go right to the pros was Adrian Peterson. I saw some of his highlight tapes like, whoa, this dude is a full-grown man. Anyway, Eric Dickerson at 10. Speed, pretty. I mean, everyone knows that stride, you know, that, like that sprinter where the head doesn't move and it's just pretty long strides when he hit the open field. And certainly more of a finesse guy, but he was big than a guy like Peterson. 
But boy, he was, when I was a kid, like, whoa, look at him with the rec specs and makes a guy miss in a good line and just got so many carries and boom, he was gone. But he was big too. And that was like, wow, this guy's special. And he, you know, career numbers are great. Easy Hall of Famer. Gale Sayers at nine. I thought about putting Peterson as high as nine. You know, that maybe I should put him ahead of Dickerson. Maybe I should put him ahead of Sayers. But really a special player for his era, though. I mean, Sayers, remarkable big play ability. And I'm sure he could catch the ball. That just wasn't part of offenses as much back then. And he was a returner. I mean, imagine what he'd do in an offense like now where they would dump it to him and run routes and all those things. I think he'd translate incredibly well. And his highlights, I mean, for you young people that have never seen him, go watch Gale Sayers' highlights. I mean, you talk about a guy when he opened it up, too. Like, whoa. Um, he's the oldest guy on this list. No, but I don't know. Is Jim Brown older than Gary Sayers? About the same. Jim Brown's on the list. Big shock there. Earl Campbell's eight. And there's two names on this list that I think I'm higher on than most people when they make such lists. And I always say that about Campbell and O.J. Simpson. And I think one of the things about Juice was, well, he's his off-the-field concerns. Campbell, though, like, to, you ding him because he's not much of a receiver. Go watch his highlight tapes. And, you know, I, I do hang with the Steelers, you know, and have some connections down there. And that was a big rivalry back then. You know, the the Steelers really kept the the Patriots, they weren't the Titans, and they were the Oilers, kept them down in terms of, you know, not getting to the promised land because Pittsburgh was so good at that time. But you talk to anyone that was around those teams, they say Earl Campbell was, wow, you know, the ultimate power runner. That it took many very big, strong men to get him on the ground. Thighs like tree trunks, but also home run speed. Like, I think Earl Campbell maybe should be number two or three on this list. I mean, like, he's that good of a, of a runner. Like, give it to him a hundred times a game and best of luck in the fourth quarter. You know, best of luck in the first quarter. Tomlinson's in at seven. To me, he's like the perfect all-around, does everything super-duper well. You know, like he's an A to A-minus in every category that there is. Super productive. Always was the first pick in your fantasy draft back then. Catches a ton of balls before his time. And actually, I have Marshall Falk right ahead of him. And similar, you know, similar eras. I thought Falk was the better receiver, but both of them were way ahead of their time as receivers. Tomlinson probably had more power of the two, ran a little lower. They always talk about Falk's protection ability and how smart he was, and you can see that now on NFL Network. Not, I mean, I know Tomlinson's on NFL Network too, but I value Falk's opinion more. Um, part of great teams, both of them. I mean, what what's there not to like about these? I mean, what's not to like about Tomlinson and Falk? I mean, those guys have it all. And I think on any list, they're right in that range. You know, right in the middle of the top ten. I got the juice at five. For you young pups, go YouTube O.J. Simpson. <laughs> Holy cow. You know, going back to USC and in Buffalo and the snow. And that the offense around him was nil. Yeah, he had a good line. But everyone in the world knew O.J. was getting the ball. And he still was unbelievably productive. That long gate power. I mean... Long speed for a big man. The Juice was an unbelievable running back. Emmitt Smith at four. 
Emmett, I very much remember, you know, from start to finish. His highlight tape, to me, is probably the worst of all these guys I've mentioned. I mean, it's the ugliest girl at the beauty pageant type thing. But how many teams, and he probably had the best environment around him to succeed with the, an amazing offensive line and Aikman and Irvin and a great team. But no one's rushed for more. And how many games did he put away? How many times did he play hurt and just put the team on his back when they needed it? I mean, the ultimate production, professional, not a great receiver, you know, but I don't think it would have been bad in that capacity in today's NFL. I mean, Emmitt Smith, he's stud. I mean, he's an easy Hall of Famer. I mean, he's, yeah, Emmitt Smith. Uh, it, it, maybe I wouldn't, maybe I shouldn't have him at four. I mean, I kind of talked myself out of putting him at four right now. You know, you watch OJ. I think OJ was more special. You know, I think Earl Campbell was more special. Adrian Peterson might be more special. But it's hard to argue that production, man. I mean, at the end of the day, there's one guy sitting at the top, and it's Emmett. You probably figured out my la my top three by now. I got Barry at three. I mean, if you get, if there's any young pups up there that don't remember Barry Sanders, holy smokes. I mean, every one of us as a kid wanted to run the ball like Barry Sanders. You know, I knew I had zero, zero, zero chance. But... Unbelievable, poor blocking much of the time, reverse field, so low, home run ability, power, unbelievable change of directions, more moves than May West. I mean, he's a total superstar and an unforgettable guy. Walter Payton, a two. I mean, sweetness, unbelievably competitive. Remember how well he threw the ball. Protection. He was ahead of his time as a receiver. You know, no one threw the ball to backs in the early 80s, late 70s. And he'd still rack up a few. Over the top. Never ducked out of bounds. I mean, delivered blows at the end of runs. Highly, highly competitive. And yes, a great athlete. But by this list, is probably near the bottom of the list athletically. You know, just pure gifts. Where Jim Brown... <laughs> Jim Brown... By the way, he I had a office at, with the Browns for about a week right next to Jim Brown. Pretty cool. I mean, he's a, he's a big, the biggest dog in the league in terms of running backs ever. The most gifted of all of these, especially when you factor in the day and age he played. I mean, he's a 230, 240-pound man whose offensive linemen were maybe 10 pounds heavier. So imagine... A 285-pound running back now that basically runs a 4-4 and is tougher, nastier, better athlete than everyone by a hundred times. You know, was like the best lacrosse player in the country. If it, you know, was total, total superstar. I mean, he's really. If you're going to draw one up of who am I going to hand the football to over and over and the defense is just going to weep having to deal with this guy, it's Brown. I mean, he's going to run through you. He's going to run past you. Retired when he was the best player in the league. I mean, that's what's crazy about him. Go pull up his stats. I mean, go look at his yards per carry. And yeah, I mean, the, the level of competition wasn't as good back then. But he was so much better than everybody else. And retired in his prime. Basically because he was just kind of bored. Like, this is this is easy for me. 
being a running back shouldn't be easy. And Jim Brown was so special as a player that it was easy for him. So I thought I'd just do that. That was fun, you know, and a lot of controversy there. I'm sure there's some names you guys are going, come on, Williamson, why don't you have this guy on the list? And all respect to Bettis and Curtis Martin and Terrell Davis. There's a lot of great ones, but I picked a dozen, and that was it.